Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. If we are really honest, we begin most relationships with an agenda in mind, a transaction. We are wanting something for ourselves out of it. I know some people will reject that, but I'm going to reject their rejection. I mean, we're either hoping for something from another person or even what we're doing for them, quote, selflessly, it makes us feel good about ourselves. We get something from that and that's okay. That's a high level, uh, an evolved level, a mature level of self-interest. Our focus today is before you seek to get anything from anyone in a relationship, you need to earn the right. And in a relationship, this usually takes a while, but most people start relationships by talking about themselves or trying to solidify an opportunity, whether it's a job, a date, a new friendship or a work opportunity. And they do it prematurely before they've actually made any true meaningful connection. And in truth, provided some value to the other person. Well, this is part three on Renee Marino and her message on becoming a master communicator. This is my peer discussion And my co-host is Dan Miller. One, because he's a professional communicator. Two, because he and my mom met Renee at an event put on by a big publisher. And they texted me saying, I just had to have her on the show, which I'm so grateful I did. Uh, Three, most of you know, Dan is my dad. And we have great conversations together. As you'll hear at the top of the show, I credit him with schooling me as a kid and how to communicate and win friends and influence people. I cite it as really the best education I ever received. It's very much why I find myself now here with a top-ranked podcast. Well, we got overwhelming feedback about my first two episodes with Renee Marino, so I really encourage you to check them out if you haven't yet. You can find Renee's new book, Becoming a Master Communicator, anywhere. And when you do, go to freegiftfromrenee.com for two gifts that she has for you. And you can find Dan Miller at 48days.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. It would be great if you would leave a review. And the greatest thing is take, you're really going to want to take what you heard here today and talk about it with other people, or maybe just implement it is what I hope you will do with other people. You can always connect with me, find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, my dad, Dan Miller, and I discuss Renee Marino's message on communication and really get into our propensity to enter into relationships with a transaction in mind, which is okay, but it needs to be earned. So how do you earn it? Stay tuned. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. 
being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, Dad, you and I are sitting here talking before we record about events and connecting with people. You said that you said great connections. I think that's one of the last things that you said before we started recording, talking about some things that are happening with you. And I was talking about some things happening with me, but great connections. And I I mean, it's pithy and and simple and elementary, but they only happen with good communication. You're not going out there making great connections. I mean, you could. So if you've got some credibility, you've got some celebrity status, whatever, you know, people, like you, I put that in quotes for the video, you know, like you, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're attracted to you for that, but if you can't really connect, it doesn't last long. And you see that day in and day out people who may have some star status for whatever, but if they can't connect, it just doesn't endure fair. Yes, absolutely fair. You know, it's kind of a tricky word when we talk about connecting, we're implying that there's some kind of a meaningful interaction there, but there may not be. A lot of people see connection as just a way to lean into a transaction. That's what they're going for right out of the gate. Transaction. That's not connection in the way that you and I are referring to it. Not in the way that you brought me up. Uh, (laughs) I mean, mean, we're talking Zig Ziglar. And I mean, that's his, you know, his definition of sales. It's not getting somebody to buy your stuff. It is connecting with them. It's a, it's a, it's a sharing of relationship of emotion and it's connecting, seeing, do they need your thing? If they do and they're, uh, resistant to it for, you know, cost or risk or whatever, then it's your job as a good salesman to help them overcome that hurdle and get the thing that you know that they would really benefit from different than, you know, what's the old adage selling ice to an Eskimo. I'm so good. That's probably racist to say that now, but, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people just look at any kind of meeting that they have, you know, how can I overcome those objections and get to the close, get to the transaction? Well, that's different. Yeah. And the way you've been talking about communicating and connecting on your podcast has a lot more to do with developing relationships where over a period of time, yes, that may lead to a byproduct of a business interaction, a business transaction. But if you lead with that, you're likely to sabotage any chance you had at meaningful connection. Well, and you've been a great example of that. You know, we had, you and I did a show uh, months ago, talking about my show with Elliot Biznow of Summit Series and him putting on these big events, the Summit Series events. We talked about your events. And it's amazing how, let's say your audience is, I'm just going to you know make up a number. Let's say your audience is, is 100,000 people, but throughout the year, you really connect on-site, face-to-face, via you know personally, via email. I saw a guy that emailed you this week and he mentioned me and you copy. I've, I've been out of town, I haven't gotten to it yet, but you responded to him personally and you're making these connections. So let's say that there's 5%, 3%, 10%, I don't know, of the of the audience that you actually personally really do individually connect with. And the ripple effects of that are, are worth another 100,000 listeners. 
Yeah, they really are. And, and you never know where those are going to come from. That's the intriguing thing. You can't identify in advance which of those initial contacts, those initial interactions, connections, communication are going to be meaningful over a period of time. So we still have to engage with a lot of a lot of people. And then there'll be those few where the connection continues, goes on from there. And I think about my connections with Tommy Breedlove and Chris Tuff and how there was just a random thing in the initial in the initial meeting. But over time, it's really deepened. Boy, if I get a text from one of those guys, I pay attention because they've earned the right over years of meaningful interaction so that, yeah, I pay attention when they say something. I want to talk about that in a minute, earning the right, earning the right. I'm writing a note down to come back to that. But before I do, uh, this is interesting. I think a lot of people will appreciate this because so many people listening to my audience, your audience have they have an audience where they have influence, whether it's over a business that they run, a family that they have, or they do speak or coach or podcast or blog or author or whatever it is. So this is interesting to me because I'm living it right now. So here I am um, with a, a, a literally a top podcast. We got 650,000 downloads last month. Really good, really good content. I think people do resonate with me, but and this is a very candid thing to say on my own podcast to my own listeners. I have not really done a good job of connecting or I can do better of connecting. And I just got back from a podcast audience and listened to some of the top podcasters and some that are, you know, leagues above me. And actually some that are, that are not near as many downloads, but they have such a loyal following of people. Yeah. I see you nodding. And it's interesting to me. I'm starting to look at the art of connecting with an audience, because I can broadcast and just put, let, let's take somebody like uh, uh, Joe Rogan, biggest podcast on planet earth. People like to, his listeners like to listen to him. It's good information, but they don't feel super connected with him. Now he's not trying to help them with personal growth and personal development and self-help and whatnot. That's not his stick. It's entertainment. So it's a different scenario, but then come over to somebody who is like a Jay Shetty, who has uh, often the number one health and wellness podcast on planet earth. And man, he does a good job of creating a culture that people want to be a part of and connecting with them. So I'm looking at that for my own business, but as everybody's listening out there, whether they got a plumbing company or a coaching business or whatnot, it would behoove them as you well know to say, how am I really not just putting out a good service, putting out good content, but am I really connecting with them? That's a different story. Well, it is. And that's the trap of social media because there are people who, because of their celebrity status or they're doing something that's entertaining or, or titillating or whatever, they have big audiences. But they don't really have meaningful connections. It's not like those listeners or those people who are watching are going to you know, show up if they're in need. It's not really a meaningful communication. It's just tickling the ears of people out there. And there's a lot of people who are doing that on social media. But when it really comes to, you know, the end of the day, what do you want? What What is your goal with what it is that you're doing? You know, you have self-helpful. You know, if you really want to move people forward, you know, information is going to help them. But if you want to build what you're doing as a business, and I know you're really leaning into that, you know, what does that require? What does that what does that mean to have people who not only listen to you, but then are willing to buy your book? or come to one of your events, yeah. you know, or show up if you have some kind of a need. 
they're going to raise their hand and say, man, I want to help Kevin out. That's a different connection point than just having people who happen to listen. And that's a, that's a real alluring thing for people in this podcasting space or on social media in any form, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, or whatever it happens to be right now. You know, they can just be out there doing something that gets the attention of people, but it's not meaningful communication. That's what's interesting in this. So I was just at PodFest, a podcasting convention in Orlando, and you get badges according to different things and whatnot. And some people had an influencer badge. And uh, so we know that influencer, being an influencer, big buzzword these days. So is content creator. You know, what does that mean? Ultimately to me, it, it is communicating. So back to Renee's message of it is communicating, but now are you communicating to entertain That's a different story. Most of our folks, your audience, they're not here just to entertain, not to discount entertainment. I mean, it's great if you are personable, relatable, funny, um, vulnerable. I mean, those are aspects, I didn't say entertainment, but those, those get people's attention. But then for our standpoint, what you were just talking to, we're talking about what do you do that actually connects you with people? And I'm going to put it in the framework of trust. That's, and that's, that's where we're at. If we actually want to grow people, not just grow an audience, but grow people. That's right. And that's why you see a variation in audience size. We've been enamored by numbers for years. Gee, you know, how big is it? How many, how many members are coming to your church? You know, how many people are listening to your podcast? And we just assume that higher numbers are better. Not necessarily so. It depends what, again, again, what it is you want to accomplish. If you are nurturing people to come and engage with you personally or to come to an event, you could do that effectively with a very small audience. You know, so we have to be careful again. What what is our end goal at connecting with people? What do we want to lead them to? Is it just to tickle their ears, just to, you know, give them an entertaining time? You know, that's one thing. But if we're really trying to help grow them, it's probably going to require more than just giving them information. Information is so easy to to get these days. Yeah. And we're looking at some live events again. Why would we do that? It's easy to give people information. But in the events, we want it just like your buddy that you mentioned who's doing the summits. You know, he makes those not just where you go and sit in a chair and get information. Those are experiences. I want our events that we do through 48 days to be experiences where people go away and they remember the experience of being there as much so or perhaps more than the information. Again, information is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's easy to get. That probably isn't going to move people, but experiences can, in fact, move people. That's interesting. I just wrote down a note for myself to be thinking about. I mean, how can we make these shows? You have a podcast. I have a podcast. How can we make them more experiential? Which is interesting as we just we're talking about Renee Marino's story here or her her message. And uh, you know, her first show has just published and we're getting rave reviews about the conversation she and I had. We resonated so much. It was such a lively conversation. So it was, it was more experiential. And I, I will aim that at the craft of being engaging and entertaining. That's a value. But then the message, we hope through that, that it gave people trust in us and that they will, they could engage with the message on communication and take that home at the end of the day and strengthen their relationships at home, at work, you know, with their audience. I mean, that's the best of both worlds right there. Well, it is. But now 
you want your your dad's insight as to why your conversation with Renee was so meaningful for people? Yes. I do. Okay, here's here's the deal. I got to spend a week with Renee recently at a writer's conference. And knowing that she been on Broadway and that she was in the the film production Jersey Boys, where she played Mary Degato, you know, with w- under the direction of Clint Eastwood, all those things. So I saw people interact with Renee, and I saw people approach her. You know, Renee, here's my book. You know, can you help me promote it? Renee, I've written a movie script. Can you introduce me to Clint Eastwood? <laughs> Renee, I'd like to break you into acting. What do you suggest I would do first? You know what those things do? Those do not set up meaningful interaction or communication moving right in for the transaction. What can you do to help me? Instead, you ask her about her experiences. You know, now that you're a book author, you know, what would you like to see happen with that? Or overall, Renee, what would you like to really accomplish this year? Or Renee, if you could look ahead three years from now, what would have to happen both personally and professionally for you to feel really good about where you are? That's a very different kind of communication. Again, communicating effectively takes time. It's not just an instantaneous kind of thing. Again, it may lead to some kind of business transaction at some point, but that's probably not going to happen in the first 15 minutes. And a lot of times people sabotage their opportunity. You know, if you, if all you did was push something in Renee's face, how can you help me with this? What are the chances she's going to take a text from you? You know, I, I texted her early this morning. You got an instant response back because I haven't asked her for anything. I'm helping her, you know, introducing her to you, you know, is a major deal because of your massive audience. So I can do those things for a long time. Now, will it ever come back where Renee and I do something together? I don't know. I don't have any agenda for that. Right now, I'm building a meaningful relationship. And then we'll see where that goes. But people aren't patient enough to do it like that. Well, and, and what you just, I, I just wrote down, I mean, in essence, that's what we're talking about with relationships. This is to Renee's message. If we want to connect, treat every relationship like an interview. And I'm back to, so I'm prepped for this. You ready? Now, those watching the video. Oh here's, my. Yeah. How to win yes. friends and influence people. This is a 1964 copy, 96 printing edition. Maybe I got it from you. I have no idea. I've had it forever. I had the kids read it. <laughs> But you go back to well, actually, it's really interesting. Back in this in this old uh, copy, right down here, it has a paragraph written on the front. What are the six ways of making people like you? See pages fifty-seven through one hundred and two. I'll rattle them off real quick because we're talking about this is this is Dale Carnegie way back when. I think he published it originally it's like nineteen thirty-seven. I looked at it recently, something like that. Does that sound right? Nineteen thirties. 37 was when Think and Grow Rich was published, and it was very much in that same time frame. Okay. Yes. Okay. So around then. And th- so this is back then. Uh, and see if this holds true today. He's saying, this is the six ways to make people like you. Become genuinely interested in other people. That's what you just said. That's number one. So I was genuinely interested in Renee. And to that point, and it's you know so interesting that the interviews that I do where the, my guests, these big celebrity guests, and they go, oh my gosh, I, you're amazing at how well you knew my material. And I'm thinking, well, thanks, but that's it's kind of my job. I mean, but what they're saying, what they're telling me is they go end up on so many interviews where people haven't read their books. They don't know their stuff. So I did my homework, uh, become generally interested in other people. Number two, smile. And that's a lost art these days. Uh, 
Number two, remember the person that that person's name is to that person, the sweetest and most important sound in any language. I need to remember that for you. I never call you Dan. Hopefully dad suffices. <laughs> uh, number four, be a good listener. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests, which is what you would do on an interview. And then last, make the person feel important and do it sincerely. I, that's, this was written a long time ago and here we are rehashing it because we need to thank goodness for Renee to bring it into light and include social media and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we're back to this thing and that's how you connect. And yeah, you're right. We are in a, I kind of got on this tangent. I think with Renee, we're, we're in a culture of telling we're on social media mm -hmm. to tell people our opinion. We get in front of a social group. We want to tell people about us. We go on a date and we want to tell, and we're trying to impress and press, press, and we're not connecting. And I'm sure you've experienced this. Well, I was going to ask you as a coach, so you're a, a high paid coach and I, I don't do a ton these days, but back when I did, there were times when I'd get off a call and somebody would go, Oh my gosh, you know, just accolades. They tell me, and I think, man, I didn't, I didn't talk at all. All I did was ask a few questions and you just talked and kind of figured things out on your own, but I'll take the credit, but I was a good listener and man, that's not what we do in our average communications. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time yahoofinance.com. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% .99 of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so it, your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit. 
which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. You're right. It's not because people are so quick to lean in for that transaction. But you're right. That does make you an effective coach yeah. is to just listen. Ask a question. Uh, Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach, you know, massive organization, coaching executives, entrepreneurs. And he has the question, which is essentially what I suggest a little bit ago in asking Renee. And he asked a question one time, a gentleman was considering engaging in strategic coach, which is a pretty pricey program to be involved in. But he wasn't sure he wanted to be connected. So he was talking to Dan and he said, you know, I want you to convince me why I should be in this program. And dad said, if we were having this conversation three years from today, what would have to happen in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy about where you were? The guy talked for 28 minutes without stopping. Wow. He stopped. He said, okay, where do I sign up? And Dan was blown away. He hadn't said anything. All he did was listen. The guy talked for 28 minutes, but he, he listened well. He connected, good eye contact, the kind of things you mentioned that Dale Carnegie reminded us years ago. He did those things, and a guy walked right into wanting to engage. <laughs> it was it was a real epiphany for Dan, and he's taught that to lots of us since then. Right. If you're a good listener, wonderful things happen. Let's play with that for a minute. I'm literally envisioning the dating thing, you know, where you've speed dating and all the stuff that you see in the movies. I've never, never done it, but you know, with that, and you can imagine somebody getting this message and going, Oh my gosh, okay. I'm not talking about myself. I'm just going to be a listener. You can go too far with it too. And I'll take you back to number six on how to win friends and influence people of the six ways of making people like you. It says, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. So if you're there really engaged and really sincere, when it's your turn or you get a question, you do offer something up. Now I say this because I've done this errantly and I'm in a situation and I am, I'm just asking questions. I don't really care about myself because honestly, I don't care a whole lot. I'm just, I'm just doing it. It's not sincere is what I'm trying to point out. It wasn't mm. sincere. And, and you people will catch on sometimes and go, man, he's just volleying it back to me and he's not sharing at all. I mean, this is a sincere, you know, volley to some degree, but even there I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to give, I love it when, you know, my guests give a really thoughtful answer. 
Um, we had Nedra Glover Tawab on the show. She was so thoughtful that we edited out some of the pauses because they were so long. Like my, my video, my audio guy said, actually, I thought she like dropped off. And, but I love that she was, <laughs> but I'm watching her. So if I'm there face to face, I got no problem. I'm sitting there just, you know, here she is as a, a high, you know, a high, uh, highly successful therapist. She's a celebrity now, best-selling author. And I'm asking her a question and man, she just sat there and thought and came back and nailed it. That was beautiful. And then she would put it back to me sometimes. And I would also answer that question. I try to be fairly succinct and, and get back to her, but also honor the question. And it is this beautiful, well, that's a relationship. It's a, it's a, a an equal, you know, marriage in there of sincerity. And so it's not just a tactic. It is. I, I just appreciate Dale, you know, saying it's, it is a sincere interaction. Well, and- you, you touched on something there that in the way that we communicate today, again, speed seems to be a very desirable characteristic, just speed. Yeah. And you hear that a lot of times in podcasters where they're, they never take a breath. It's just constant, just pours out. Go listen to some well, of my old shows. That's, <laughs> it's true. There be some place for that. Yeah, well, yeah. We've, we've lost the appreciation of a meaningful pause. Yeah. It doesn't mean that a person isn't thinking or isn't engaged. It's a meaningful thought pause. And a lot of times, depending on the personal makeup, the personality style of the individual, they may need that to collect thoughts. One of the things that we use in coaching, our coach training is when we're having conversations to count to seven before you break the silence. Hmm. Because if you're a real aggressive person, you will always jump in before the other person has an opportunity to talk. So not knowing who it is you're talking to, if they're more analytical and thoughtful, as you described, Nedra, then you need to give them that pause, count to seven before you break the silence. You'd be amazed how that draws out people who may be like E.F. Hutton. They're not real verbal. They're not going to be the center of attention. But boy, when they speak, it's worth listening to. And those people often need that meaningful pause. I mean, even in family relationships, the most verbal, the most outgoing people are going to always command attention. But if there's pause that's allowed, then you draw in perhaps the most meaningful conversations in the room. Well, as you know, I've got a few kids and yes, you uh, do different personalities. And I've got a couple in particular, two of my boys who, well, I'll just, uh, Caleb, Caleb and Canyon. And they will be the ones at the dinner table who don't get a word in edgewise. And, and at some point they just quit trying and somebody, uh-huh. but then, you know, in our, in our, uh, very intimate, uh, family, something that'll get pulled out go, Hey man, you haven't talked. And they go, I, it's just, if you want me to slow down, there you go. Pa- pause. And that is me. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm different in person than I am. I'm not, I mean, when I do the shows, I do have a framework. Now, I don't have it scripted. Obviously, it's an organic conversation, but I've done my homework. I've done it. I've done the framework. You don't get to do that in every relationship. And I am one to pause because I really have to think about it for a minute. And on the interviews that I've done, I'll say that, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I'm wishing I could hit pause and say, hey, guys, give me a minute. Let me write something down here and I'll come back to you. So I, I, I have to struggle with that. I'm not as quick on the draw in uh, person, but yeah, I appreciate that. Cause when you do, when people just jump in so fast and I still am aware of that. I mean, you taught me this 
in my youth, you took me to Dale Carnegie seminars and courses. You took me to Zig Ziglar stuff. And I know this, and yet it's still so amazing. I can watch myself now, at least I'm aware. And as somebody is talking, the thing that's coming up into my head is my own interaction next, my own story, my own point that I wanted to, and I, I look at it now, thank goodness, most of the time, stop it and go, wow, and try to comment on what they said. If, if it's nothing else, just one comment before I jump in with my thing, one comment, it, it kind of in the tell me more kind of concept. Tell me more about that. Or man, that's really interesting to ask a question about that. I see that one, it blesses them so much, but two, it generally alters what I was thinking I was going to say, because I'm just reacting. So now if I ask more, it usually takes a little bit of a different turn. It sure does on the shows. My gosh, I think we probably get along the best rabbit holes. When I have something, you know, they're talking and I think I know what I'm going to say next. And they say something, go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Go back to that. What? That, I think that's probably the gold of the show. Can I do that in my personal relationships? Everybody listen, can you do it? We can, but it takes as not natural. Well, I've, I've been on a lot of interviews yeah. and it's real easy to identify those people doing the interviews who have pre-scripted the questions they're going to ask. And as they should, they shouldn't come just unprepared. But if I say, gee, the UPS guy, you know, just backed over our dog and killed it in the yard. He says, so okay, anyway, now, tell me about chapter three. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You can identify people who are almost that bad because they have their script. They weren't really listening. They're just thinking about what they're going to ask next, what they're going to say next. And in casual conversations, you run into that. You see people who you recognize instantly. They're just waiting for that nanosecond pause so they can jump in and tell you about themselves. Yeah. And that is so far from the kind of communication that Renee talks about, meaningful communication. They just, they want to talk about themselves. That's all they really care about. Well, people avoid people like that. They want to see, how can I get out of this conversation? How can I go somewhere else? In the same way, given as you know, a lot of times in a meeting room where you're talking to somebody and there's multiple conversations going on, you'll be talking to somebody, you're talking and you realize they're looking past you. Mm -hmm. They're looking over your shoulder at who they want to connect with next. Well, that's a really, oh my gosh, that's really a hurtful kind of feeling to be engaged like that. People who Take the time, no matter what the conversation is, to pause and give full attention to that person are going to be valued. Children are masters of picking that up, that you're talking to them. Well, no, you're really scrolling on your phone or watching TV or reading a newspaper. They detect that instantly. If you're talking to a child, stop, look them in the eyes, take their hands in yours, perhaps, and let them know they have your full attention. That is such different Communication. Again, I'm not even sure we should call it communication when it passes for something else like we're describing. Well, maybe it's a, it's, it's a monologue. You know, how often are we just monologuing in that? I, I want to hit on what you just said, though, because from my standpoint, and I bet you do this too. So I, one thing, I can be talking with somebody, see that their attention is going elsewhere and be irritated at them. But really, if we go back to Dale Carnegie, if we go back to Renee Marino and what she's talking about, it also should call us to question ourselves. Because if I, if, that, if I do lose their attention, and I see them looking at their cell phone, looking past me, whatever, there's also a question, am I, have I just been monologuing for five minutes? Am I talking yeah. about something that they care about? Am I just telling them? And usually, to back to what your transaction, I am trying to 
get to a, I'm trying to get a transaction. I want them to like me. I want them to give me an opportunity. I want them to, I want something from them as opposed to wanting mm-hmm. to know them. And I do it still. I just, again, I was just at this event. I talked to a lot of people. I talked to celebrities. I talked to big wig VIP folks and I'm sitting there talking and I'm waiting to see, are they, are we connecting? <laughs> and if not, I'm going to shut up. I'm either going to quit, give up, or I'm going to go a different direction and try to engage them and kind of watch what's happening. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's pretty clear that oftentimes when somebody is clear, you've lost their attention, you need to check yourself. And I'm just in one of those monologues. Am I just telling? Am I just asking before I have given something? Uh, I know that usually when I'm in a crowd and perhaps I've just given a presentation as an example, and there's people waiting in line, I'm talking to somebody and boy, they're just going on, you know, can you look at my resume? Gee, I started a business. It didn't work out. You know, they're just 90 questions. And I'm thinking, how can I bring this to a close and move on to the next person? And sometimes you just have to do that, bring it to a close. But yeah, those, so if somebody's not paying attention, you have to ask yourself, you know, am I, engaging them in the conversation or is that, am I just pushing? Am I just telling as you described it? And oftentimes that's the case. There's something to hold there though, because we're saying, okay, back to your transaction. How often do we go into a a conversation, an interaction, let's call with somebody, this opportunity to communicate and connect as Renee is talking about. And we do have a transaction in mind. We are looking to connect with them and we want an opportunity or whatnot. We're talking, we are talking about a methodology to some degree. So again, to be candid, I was with some really VIP celebrities this past week and influencers, people with gargantuan, you know, audiences, whatnot that I wanted to connect with, to see if about them being on my show and getting exposure on their show, maybe getting some insight into what they're doing and how I can use it for my business. So I do have an agenda, let's call it that transaction, mm-hmm. but I do have an agenda, but I am looking at what's the best way to go about it. And I'll, I'll, I have one, my, my avatar is this one influencer I was talking to. She's got a bazillion, um, uh, audience it's huge. And it w- was interested in having her on the show, whatnot, but doing this, I'm watching her eyes. I'm watching her reactions. And this is not a time to tell, you know, I think I put something, I mean, she heard about the downloads on my, you know, how many I have. So I've got her attention a little bit, but she's got people all around. Everybody's wanting her attention. And so I'm listening to what she says and doing the thing. Oh gosh, tell me more. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. That's incredibly impressive. Blah, blah, blah. It, it is a tactic, but it is showing interest. I really was. I'm, I, so I'm trying to play with that sincerity. Was I sincere? Yes. Did I have an agenda? Yes. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm trying to kind of, let's keep things honest and on the table here. I, it's not that I can go into a, into one of these interactions sometimes and totally divest myself of any self-interest. I, I do, but to do it best, there are some ways. So it, it's almost kind of whether you believe it or not, or whether you feel sincere or not, there are some ways to communicate sincerity. Is that fair? Yes. I know, I know it's dicey. Go. go. <laughs> we, we come back to this issue of timing. Oh, you're right. Most of the people with whom I'm doing meaningful transactions today, I've known for at least three to five years. Mm. Many of them 10 to 15 years. We're so impatient that I think we sabotage our opportunities for meaningful communication, which leads to connection, which leads to trust, 
which leads to clarity, you know, and ultimately perhaps some kind of transaction. But we want to just short circuit that whole process. Boom. How can I be really intentional, you know, use my tactics to pretend I'm listening well. But the bottom line is, you know, can I close a transaction with this person in the first five minutes that I talk to them? I really don't do much of that. I can't think of a possible person out there where that would be my intention. I have a lot of meetings with people, lunch meetings, other kind of meetings where I don't have any agenda. I just trust the process that if this leads to something, then fantastic. But I'm very patient with the process to know that my connection with somebody that I had a year ago, I may have had three times in this year where I thought of that person, where I read an article or heard something or listened to your podcast and think, boy, they could really benefit from that. And I'll just shoot that over to them. So I'm constantly nurturing that relationship again, not without think, not just by thinking that if I do this enough times, then I'm going to hit a home run. I have a lot of, meaningful connections with people where I don't even have in mind what a transaction would be there again, that network of people with whom I have meaningful connections, trusted relationships, those do lead to, I mean, I just got a text this morning from somebody whose name I already mentioned here. And he says, I want you to meet this guy. Now I have no idea, no idea who this guy is, but because of the depth of my trusted relationship with that person, you better believe it. I'm going to follow up on that yes. and see where that leads. Okay. Let's come back then to your, you, you said the word earning, which yes. is going to sound transactional to people, but let's, how can we break that down a little bit? Let's talk about relationships like marriage. It's an easy one to play with. You don't meet somebody and go, Oh my gosh, man, they're really attractive. I really like their personality and walk up and say, gosh, I, I think let's get married. We don't, we don't do that. We know there's a courting period. And that's what I hear you talking about. And I like the spirit aspect. So as you were talking, I was thinking about in essence, let's say you meet somebody who could be the doorway to gold for you. They could give you the opportunity. This is like a shark tank. You know, this person can make my dreams yes. happen, whatever. Mark Cuban's going to be my partner. Mark Cuban's going to be my partner. And you meet Mark Cuban right away. You're thinking, man, what can happen here? Okay. Let's say that, but I hear you saying, or I'm going to paraphrase something is one. I, I just, you brought me to the, the concept of faith. Just have faith that this person is not God. My, my, they're not the doorway to everything, you know, for me. I'm not reliant on them. I need to come into this with walkaway power. That's a great way to come into it from just the spirit of it, my attitude about it. I've got walkaway power. Something good, man, there could be something great here, but it's probably, if there is, let's just assume it's going to come after the eighth interaction. If we even make it that far, which I don't know, I don't know that we will. What's, well, what's the old adage? I don't remember from email marketing or uh, something. Well, of, most most sales transactions are made after seven presentations. Thank, thank you. It was seven presentations. But, but I was also uh, like from a, like if you're blogging or emailing in your email list, there's going to be five, seven, whatever. Uh, shoot. I, don't, I can't think of the word like giving. You know, exposures. You're just, okay. Yeah, exposures, but giving. You're just giving them the meat, man. You're giving them your best That's content right. before finally an ask. And after that ask then you're back to square one and you're not going to ask again until seven or whatever. You, you know that you know what I'm talking about here. Absolutely. Yeah. A- uh, give, 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 ask. Yeah. You know, Gary Vanacek has his book, you know, jab, 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 right hook. Right. You don't go in 
for the big kahuna right out of the gate. You do other things to lead up to that. And certainly in sales, it's like that. Yeah, most sales presentations take repeated exposures before a commitment is made. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, so same thing if we're looking at this interaction with somebody and we do have something that we would like, we would like to ask them out on a date or we would ultimately like to marry them or we would love to get the chance to do business with them or to be a guest on their show or get them down as a guest on, on mine or have them become a coaching client or, or whatnot. But to say, man, this first interaction, especially this is just the beginning of courting. Take a deep breath. This is not, I don't have everything riding on this. I don't need all my eggs in one basket. If I do, I'm already in trouble and they're going to sense that and probably be scared away. This is a beginning. I now have, this is back to Seth Godin, permission marketing maybe. Hopefully I get a contact from them and we can continue. And what can I give them? What can I offer them? How can I encourage them? And let's see if I can, in a sense, earn the right. And I, I want to, I'm trying to make that word sound good, dad, of earn, because it does sound transactional and like an agenda, but how is that different than if we're in a romantic relationship or hoping for one, we are hoping to earn that right into that person's heart, even, um, and maybe earns just a hard word. I don't, I can't think of a better. Well, it's now. not, it's a, it's, it's a good word. I love that oh, word. Okay. And it really, um, one of my first exposures to it came from the Dale Carnegie program, which you're mentioning here. Right, right. When you go through the Dale Carnegie human relations program, you have to be able to stand up for two minutes and talk about something. They want you to talk about something where you have earned the right. Meaning if I want to talk about being a farm boy, I can do that. If I want to talk about, you know, going to the earth and the space or going to the moon in a spaceship, I don't have any experience there at all. I have not earned the right. right. So it's something that you really understand enough to talk about. And that's a legitimate use of earn the right like that. But when it comes back to growing our businesses, as an example, you know that Dave Ramsey and I have been friends for 30 years, you know, and there's, and incidentally, in those early years of building a friendship with Dave, there was no end game in terms of what it was. We were just helping each other. We were trying to figure out based on big screw ups that we had done, you know, how we could grow up, you know, put our big boy panties on and do something meaningful after being such a mess. But out of that, because there was trusted relationship, I mean, that relationship has made me millions of dollars, but also with that, at one point back in the early years, we were adding over a thousand people a week to our email list because they were coming from Dave Ramsey. Those people, we didn't say, here's my book, buy my book, come to our event. Those people, we said, would you like to get Dan's newsletter? Comes out weekly and it gives you career tips, ideas about how to move ahead. That was our ask. Can we give you this to help you move forward what you're doing? Now, what we find is that over time, and usually with those people, they did not pull out their credit card or maybe debit card in Dave's case, 
until 90 days had passed. So there was repeated exposure. That would mean that there were 12 times they had already gotten my newsletter before they were likely to do anything. So again, we've got to go back to this issue time. Meaningful engagement takes place over time, whether it's courting somebody who's ultimately going to be your spouse, or if it's building a relationship that's going to lead to some kind of business transaction. Be patient with the time that's involved in doing that. I know today everybody wants things instant. We're so spoiled with faxes and microwaves. Everything is instant. Boy, a lot of things that are important in life just don't happen that way. It's artificial to impose that on it. Gosh, well, and coming back to Renee on you know being a master communicator, what makes you a master is creating a relationship. And that's what we keep coming around to here. It's creating a relationship, not getting the opportunity, not making the sale in essence, but creating the relationship to see where it could go. And it's interesting. I, I meant to lead the show off of this and we just kind of got on other stuff, but uh, Renee was on the show. Oh, I think I said it on the, on the, when I was with her, but she was on the show because of you guys. So you're in an event uh, put on by a publisher. She's there as a speaker and you liked her message, got to meet her. But I remember your testimony, you and mom, your testimony was, oh my gosh, she was so engaging. And with you and with other people, you saw that when they were talking with her, she was totally engaged. She was in there creating a relationship. And what came out of that? She didn't come and say, hey, Dan, do you know some people whose shows I could get on? Um, she was so engaged with you created a connection, immediately started a relationship. And the next thing I know, I'm getting texts and you're saying, Kevin, you got to have her on the show. She got something. I don't know that she had an agenda. I could ask her. Uh, I'm sure she's always, <laughs> she's open for opportunities, but she just created relationship. And out of that, boom, uh, that came on. And yeah, there you go. She, she is what she talks about. A master communicator. When you're talking to Renee, you have her full attention. Yeah. She's not scanning the room for who might be a bigger connection. No matter what it is, if you're telling her about your dog, just got run over. She's paying attention to that. Yeah. I mean, she really lives what she talks about. It's just not a system, but she's a great example of exactly what she talks about. And again, those kind of connections, you know, me making a connection with her, her with me. Yeah. There was not an ask right out of the gate. It was just we're both writers. Wow. Let's share exciting stories about what writing has led to for us, what we can do. I wanted to bring into this because back to communication, building relationships, having sincere correspondence like Carnegie talks about that, that aspect of soft skills. I haven't talked about that in a while. We, we, you know, that term soft skills, it's a terrible term. Somebody called them. They shouldn't be called soft skills. They should be called essential skills. I wish I knew who said that because I've talked about Wow. That. Soft skills. So I just so typed, yeah, I typed it in. So if you type it in Google, uh, soft skills, one of the first things that comes up, I don't know, I didn't, didn't source the source, but it said soft skills are non-technical skills that relate to how you work. Now I'd say how you engage. They include how you interact with colleagues, how you solve problems, how you manage your work. Uh, it's people skills, communication skills, listening skills, time management, problem solving, leadership, empathy, among others. I mean, those are what they're saying are outside of your skills. And you know that we're in a culture today. It feels like to me, I'll let you verify that it feels like that the generation that's coming up not to diss them, but there's a lot of focus on, Hey, I went to school. I got this degree. This is what I can do. I can do accounting. I can do architecture. I can do, you know, whatever it is. And yet we know the corporate world is, is, is reeling because a lot of them don't have these skills. 
That may be great. You can do X, Y, Z, but you don't know how to hold a conversation. You don't know how to make eye contact. You don't know how to listen. And just, and at that point, I don't care how well you, I'll take somebody with lesser skills, uh, uh, of technical skills who can, we can just have a relationship with and get something done here. Am I on the right track? Oh my gosh. And that is so, such a relevant topic right now. I've had a lot of conversations in the last two months about AI, you know, chat GPT came out, everybody's going nuts. Gee, we don't need humans anymore. You can just put in anything. Now here's the deal. Yes, you can. You can get any kind of information you want. You can get your really great writing. You can schedule your blogs for the next year, do all kinds of things that just involve content like that. But that does not give you the soft skills, exactly what you're talking about. That's not there to give you an encouraging word when you need it or a pat on the back or a hug when you are really feeling like you need encouragement or to sit down over a great meal together, share a bottle of wine together. I mean, those, all those things involve soft skills and we tend to put a lesser value on those, but those are the separator of people who are going to thrive and those who are going to be replaced by a freaking robot. I mean, that's wow. I'm working with a guy right now who has great technical skills. And because he does, he's been promoted multiple times into a position where he's lead over a division. He has sweaty palms. He has heart palpitations. He's been to the doctor three times. The doctor says, you've got to get out of this. The stress is going to kill you. He's so out of his space now I'm thinking the Peter principle. Why don't you learn soft skills, dude? Yeah. I mean, I know that there's some personality things involved, but he doesn't he hasn't put a value on that and he's struggling big time. Chances are he's gonna lose his position and really feel stuck. And soft soft skills, when you talk about those things that Dale Carnegie sends ways to make people like you, those are soft skills. Remember somebody's name, you know, smile when you are engaged with them. Those are the things I want your kids, my grandkids to know by the time of the 13 years old, those are the things that are going to open doors of opportunity for them far more than having an MBA or a PhD behind their name. Okay. To that degree, then, isn't it fair to say that as things, as AI continues to go on, that the core technical skills are going to have less value? Uh, That's exactly right. We could take a topic right now on communication and put it in, uh, what's it called? Chat GP, what Chat is it? GPT. Yeah. Put it in there and it can give you the best content theoretically. And we could say, well, heck, I don't need to talk. Let's just put that thing, make it do an audio and put it on the podcast. But that's not a relationship. That's not looking at you. I mean, gosh, how many of the conversations go somewhere? Cause I'm looking at your response or I've had, you know, I've had people on the show recently and they get teared up and to respond to that, that's what I have to offer. Cause if we're just back to that content creator type thing, man, we're there's, there's, you, you could never say that you're the best content creator. So I'm in the self-help space. There's no opportunity for me to ever now or, or in the future, even less and less every day to say, I'm the best. I can give you the best information. Nope. The only chance I've got is to connect with you in a certain way. Otherwise, you're going to go on to the next person who does or the next person who does or to AI and just get your core technical knowledge well, that's, content. Yeah. But so you, ju- you just explained why your podcast is so widely popular. 
and why the numbers keep growing. Because you're not just going through a list asking this author, this expert, this leader, whatever, these set questions and getting their robotic responses. You lean in to the subtle nuances of engaging in meaningful conversation. You hear somebody ask something, you say, hey, wait a minute. Let's go back to that. Let's go a little deeper in that. You do that really, really well. And I hear again and again and again from your guests about how you do that so well. That's 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 a delineator. That separates you from a whole lot of other podcast hosts out there. But that is going beyond what AI has to offer. That's leaning into the soft skills and developing those and the things that Renee talks about, how to communicate well. Those are really valuable skills. And it breaks my heart to see a lot of kids coming up in these next generations who aren't learning those things. There's still too much emphasis on those hard skills, thinking that those are the things that are going to get them ahead. You know, I see people on Jeopardy and it breaks my heart. I think, oh my gosh, why would you fill your head with such meaningless information that you can get on your iPhone in a nanosecond? I don't care what the capital of Russia is. I can ask Siri and know instantly. I'm not going to fill my head with those kind of things. And yet we put some kind of value on just accumulating information. Boy, those days are gone. If you develop your soft skills, you cannot be replaced. You cannot be outsourced. People will be clamoring to have you on their team. Okay, let's talk about that of value. So this is, I'm going to make a quick analogy. I think... Oftentimes, entrepreneurs get labeled as the outgoing, the risk takers, you know, the, the A type, whatever. They they get that. And over my experience, I found out that that's not the case. If we take entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, and business people across the board, it's not just those people. Those are just the people you hear from because they're the ones mouthing off about it, like me. You know, they're on a microphone or they've got an audience. I know a lot of introverts you're never going to hear from over here running great businesses, doing awesome things, but you're not going to hear from them. So it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it gives a misperception. Okay. I'm interested in that. So I'm going to take that as an analogy to say over here, when we're talking about relationship skills and really connecting Dude, that is not in the media. That is not what we see in the headlines. That's not what we see even in the celebrities at the top of social media with all their followers. Man, it, it's people a lot of times with really crappy interpersonal skills. And we like to voyeuristically watch it because it's like watching a tragedy. Um, but that's what you see out there. So we don't spend a whole lot of time being exposed at a high level in the media on screens to people who are sitting there really connecting and having heartfelt conversations. And the people that we see with ultimate success from a deep fulfillment level uh, in life, those are the people that really connect, but we don't see them. What gets, what, if it bleeds, it leads, that's the media. So you're going to see the worst of it out there. And I wonder, and I don't wonder, we know, I mean, that is influencing how I think the value that we give, and we're talking about soft skills, where do, where do people see this? It's not real rampant to get exposure to these soft skills we're talking about. Unfortunately, you're right. You're, people are drawn to the negatives. I mean, we know that. I mean, you look at any big movie blockbuster out there, it's, you know, good versus evil. Something was negative there. There had to be some kind of a battle. Uh, the other night, your mom and I were sitting here and your mom looked on a TV and pulled up an old episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, it's a family, funny situation. I said, would people ever really talk to each other that way in real life? Yeah. You know, they're 
unbelievably hostile, critical, cutting to each other in a family. And there's audience laughter, you know, every time that happens. And they wrap it up at the end of 30 minutes. They tie it up in some little bow and everybody's fine. Yeah. That doesn't happen. You know, we're drawn to those negatives for some reason. There are some people who in their public media, you know, use a lot of profanity. Profanity always emphasizes the negative. It's never used in a positive light. And we were somehow voyeuristically, we like to see that, but that doesn't move people's lives forward in a positive way. And so those people who are positive, who are clean, pure, I mean, wow, they're rare exception, Joe Zig Ziglar. Wow, he was one of the first guys that I saw Look at the way this guy is living his life. And yet he talks about being successful financially. This is a guy I want to hang around. Yeah. But even he, you know, is not going to be as popular as some other names, which I'll refrain from saying. They're popular, but they aren't really leading lives that I want to model because it's not exciting enough. It's not cutting enough. It's not antagonistic enough. It's not leaving a trail behind, a bloody trail behind. You know, yeah, those things still get a lot of attention. Those soft skills. They take us on a different path, but I think it's a truer path to success. It's enjoyable for everybody. Which, yes, and, and that brings into my or into to question, you know, how we define success, which we all get to do. Sure. That. And of course, we're going to do that and say, gosh, it's not just making money. It's actually being happy and having relationships. We had Robert Waldinger on the show. I don't know how many episodes ago, the uh, gosh, or a Harvard psychologist who longest scientific study on happiness. And of course it was relationships. Then we had Nedra Glover Twab on and she's saying, yeah. And and it's also our greatest source of trauma because we don't do it well. And now we're full (laughs) circle over here with, uh, with Renee saying, how do we communicate well to have these healthy relationships? I was just on a getaway with some guys, a lot of wealthy guys, some really high in the investment world. And they were talking about Steve jobs and some of them had actually done some business with him. So I, I don't know the guy, never met Steve Jobs. He's not here to defend himself, whatever, but he did. He brought us Apple. I'm grateful for that. But apparently there was some collateral damage relationally. Yeah, I see your eyes relationally. And you can read about that again. You know, was he, was that success? Was that success? Was he fulfilled? Did he leave? What was the legacy? I was with these guys talking about legacy. What was the legacy? Uh, they brought up some other celebrity names that I won't, I won't diss, but some people who made a lot of money, had a lot of, you know, success in their vocation and just carnage. Otherwise people that we do not love and trust. Uh, right. and it, again, it, so to see what we're seeing, if that's what it bleeds, it leads, that's what we see out there, but to really bring in question, well, you see that you see people at the highest levels of world, is it worldly success? Uh, I, I you know, of how we deem it social media and, and whatever of the success in their vocation and there's misery behind it. It really is. Well, and that's why, that's why we use a different model of success. Yeah. Success typically to the general public just means somebody who makes a lot of money. But, you know, there's a lot of people, even in just the younger generations right now, who saw their mom and dad go through that. The baby boomers, they pushed for that kind of success, that kind of success only, sacrificed everything else in their their lives. They sacrificed their health, their family relationships, because, and then they died with a whole bunch of money. They're not really remembered well. So people are looking for, what can I do that gives me a more balanced view of success? Ziegler is, of course, a great model of that where they have seven spokes on the wheel. You want just as much success physically as financially, just as much 
you know, in your spiritual life as you do in your career world. So there's a balance there to those things where you have to have success in a variety of areas to truly feel and give the impression of being successful. Yeah. Um, you know, success, the, the definition given by Earl Nightingale years ago is success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. Well, if we use that, that means that a sophomore in high school is successful because they're moving toward goals. If somebody decides they're going to go to Haiti and build schools down there and live on $20,000 a year, that's success because they're moving toward meaningful goals that they have. So we can't just artificially superimpose success means a big financial portfolio. That can be pretty empty at the end of the day. Okay. It's interesting you say that because again, I was just on this adventure with these guys talking about, and that was kind of our, our common point outside of our adventures and whatnot was talking about legacy. And we got to really talking about that. And we had some guys in there who have significant uh, financial success, just, you know, awesome, um, multi, multi millionaires and whatnot. And yet, so let's come back to Renee. You know, she's saying being a master communicator, why We're really saying to connect, why to have relationship. So as we talked about legacy, uh, honestly, dad, I talked about you. So let's say that you, you know, pass away next year or, or whatnot. You've got, you've got some means, um, you've got, you know, assets and money and whatnot. At this point in my life, I, I'm not in dire need of that. So if that's your legacy, that's kind of sad. If that's all that it was mm-hmm. and truth. And mm-hmm. so we look at these guys and some of them were busting their butts and have millions and and uh, they just referenced, you probably know this, Bob Goff apparently uh, came out at some point saying, because he's a guy of, of, he's an author, Bob Goff, Love Does. He just has a recent book. I don't, I don't remember the name, but, um, uh, but very, very wealthy guy. And apparently to his kids, his financial legacy, what he's leaving them is a home. He's going to help them buy a home and maybe there's something else little and that's it. He says, I'm just not going to give them anything else. He doesn't think it'll serve them well. So again, he's taken, he could do that legacy. What is it? Obviously with Bob, we know that it is love and connection and equipping them with soft skills and, uh, and, and a future in that sense. So when we look at legacy and take away the money, cause it really is that, and even if it was to, to do that, if you left me with millions, would that do me good? We don't know. That's. Like Dave Ramsey, yeah. money's a brick. I could use it to do something good or use it to go down uh, and do something very horrible and ruin my life and my kids. Mm-hmm. But if you connect with me, if we connect, if we have a relationship, if you teach me those soft skills and whatnot, that's a legacy. Well, thank you. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope we, we put the value there. And it's not to negate the the good of having financial resources, right? We can do a lot of good. Right. I mean, I, I teach people in my mastermind that we want to serve from a full cup. We don't want to be needy. We want to have more than we need for ourselves ever so that we can be very generous out of the abundance of that. That's one of the things, you know, the real communication, the real currency of great communication is not greed or self-centeredness. It's generosity. That's what great communication leads to. It's generosity. So if, you know, we're talking to, to Renee and we communicate well, it's, it's generous. I want to help her 
move ahead with what her goals are, because I see her as somebody that has a valuable message to get out there. So I'm going to be generous with that rather than just being greedy and saying, okay, gee, she knows Clint Eastwood. How can I get her to introduce me? That's self-centered and greedy and may not be appropriate at all. Well, I'm going to have to think about my timeline before I ask her to connect me with Clint and get me on a movie. So well, there you go. pulling that into question. Wait a week. I like wait the year. Yeah, wait a year. I like, five years. I like the word generous, though. <laughs> I like the word generous to come into that. So if everybody imagines the next networking event or business you know, lunch or relational opportunity from a, a romantic or whatever, and thinks about it as not transactional like you talked about, but to think about how can I be generous? What a different frame of reference. How can I be generous? Also saying it's also the best way that to help something happen good for you as well and reciprocity oh, and whatnot. But here, yeah, here, here's an example. Yeah. I have what I call a 3 a.m. list. Yeah. This is a list. You've heard me talk about yeah. this. We've talked about it on the show. You, could, don't, you don't even know. So, yeah. Who could I pick up the phone and call at 3 a.m. Uh-huh. knowing that they'd take my call and not only take my call, be willing to help me out. And I use that as an example often. You know, let's say I needed $10,000. People who, with, without a lot of deep questioning, willingly help me out with that. A 3 a.m. list. Now, that didn't happen just overnight. The people that are on there are not people that I met last week. There are people on there that I've known over a period of time, great communication, growing trust, confidence, clarity, all those things we get from great communication. And now they're on that list. That means that's like a gold bank for me, knowing that I have those people. And here's here's how I, I frame this too, Kevin, is that I encourage people to have as many people on that list as you are years of age. So if you're 40 years old, I'd like to see 40 people on there. If you have that list, you're also, this is another carryover. If you have a list like that, you're also a person I'd be willing to invest in because I know you're going in the right direction. If you're a person who has two people on there. Wow. I'm going to tell you, you'll spend five years building more trusted relationships with people. Once you have that, you have an insulation. I mean, what are the chances that I'm ever going to be homeless? I mean, it's zero. I constantly have people saying, gee, we've got a, we've got a home. You know, we had somebody recently got a home in Greece, one of the islands in Greece. Gee, go over there anytime you want to. You know, we have people offering us places when we don't need them. But if I ever certainly needed a place like that, I mean, your mom and I are not going to be on the streets, you know, living in a cardboard box. We have way too many relationships for that to ever be a remote possibility. That's a value. That's a gold in the bank that a lot of people overlook when I think it's available to anybody if they take the time to communicate well and develop these kind of relationships. I, I want to come back to what you just said. I think it's a sensitive topic. You're talking about your 3am list and having you know the number of your age. And you said, hey, if, you, if somebody only has two, um, maybe go spend some time doing that. I, I feel real sensitive to that because no, because I, I, I think there's a lot of people out there, good meaning people who've had their, you know, what well, you, you talked about a client of yours, head down, pencil up, doing their job, taking care of their family, um, really honorable stuff, but have not taken the time to invest in relationships and they don't have anyone. I, oh my God. For, for them, I would my heartbreak. It, does, it, it. it does, but for them, I would say, man, find two. Find two people, start there and go find, go invest in those relationships. Cause I think more and more, you know, that we're in a place of, and we talked about this with Renee, of being more, 
shallowly connected than ever. We used to be, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, back in the day at home in Kentucky with no internet and a landline phone, you know, you know, some people at church and at school and, and whatnot. Now, well, now we can connect with everybody. And during the day we can connect with, you know, thousands of people or 200 or whatever it may be at a shallow connection. That is not your 3am club. And the 3am club comes from, in my, you know, in, in my experience, primarily it's face to face, it's weekly investments with, you know, for me, I got my guys group. We meet every Friday. And man, that, I'm an introvert. I'm the first one to, on that given day. Go, oh, I, just, I can't make it today. I got something else. Cause I just want to do my thing. <sighs> Deep breathing. I know it's good for me. And so I, I do, I come to a lot of it kind of begrudgingly. I have for so many years. I don't, I don't now, but, um, knowing that that takes an investment. So if you don't have anybody, don't feel terrible. There's a lot of awesome people out there that are not taking the time, but go find two and then go find this- four. Yeah. But, but again, this is not a matter of just personal style. Gee, I'm more introverted right. and shy, so I don't have anybody. No, it's too valuable to just use an excuse to opt out of. Yes. It doesn't matter what your personality style is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic level is, what your work status is, any of that. It's just something to be intentional about that. If it's important enough to you, you'll make it happen. I do want to come back real quick to generous because as you say that, and especially in the business world where we are looking to hopefully connect with people that do bring us opportunity. I mean, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, it's one of my favorite. I mean, that's so relevant for my life. A lot of times I feel like I know less and less every day, but man, thank goodness I know some great people. And in that though, you are hoping for opportunity, but for you to say that, for us to put that spirit of being generous, I know a lot of people are looking and go, how do, how do I, I mean, you've had that happen to you. Okay. I'm down here, man. I'm just starting business. I'd love to connect with Dan Miller. How do I be generous to Dan Miller? What the heck can I do to be generous? That's a valid perspective that you have seen the answer to, uh, a lot of times for people who, whatever they have, there's some way that they can Everybody has an offering, but I think that we don't see that often, especially with somebody who we deem at a much higher level than us. Kevin, when you were four years old, we moved from Kentucky to California. Mom and I were just, I mean, we were just starting out. I had just finished my master's degree in clinical psychology. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We were going to a a little church. You know what part of our offering was? We cleaned the church. Hmm. We cleaned the church week after week, mowed the yard, cleaned the church. Well, we were kind of sorting things out. We had an avalanche of people who wanted us to pay us to clean their houses because they saw the quality of what we did in the church. We weren't doing it with that in mind, but people saw that. But it was that was part of our generosity, just giving in the way that we saw possible right then. We recently had a pretty severe hurricane here where we are in Florida. Uh, your mom and I were gone at the time. We came home and you know the hurricane had come through and done just massive damage. We had power in our house. Neighbors right across the street and all the way down in our community did not. Your mom and I immediately opened our house. We had salad bars, buffets out for people. We had strangers we never saw before taking showers in our showers. They didn't need our money. Generosity is not often about money that you have. It's about other resources that you have, or it can be just kindness and compassion. So we look for ways to be generous, even if people don't need money at all. I want to pick out an actual example that happened with you and me. And he's, he's always been an avatar. You and I have a buddy, Andy Traub. 
you know, Andy, you know, Andy, yep. well, back when you first started and, and I got to help you with it, this, uh, effort to help coaches, you called it two twelve connection. And we started a community of people that he came in at some point as a new guy to the arena. You know, what on earth could he do to connect? And instead of asking and doing this transactional thing, he came in and he would post on there. Somebody would say, ask a question about something techy. Well, he was a tech guy. And so he'd answer it. The amount of time that guy spent answering everybody's question and he became the go-to guy. I don't know how long that went on. Dude, I don't know, man, but this guy, uh, this guy knows. And ultimately time went on and I, I, when I had Free Agent Academy, I had him as a professor and I, he, he made money off of you know, the referrals from that group and he did from you. And you, you then went on to do a lot of business with Andy Traub. And he's always been my avatar, somebody who came in and he didn't ask. He just gave of what he had. And in that realm, he was not a big businessman. He didn't have a whole lot of counsel to give everybody in this platform or this community, but he knew tech. And we saw other people do it because they knew sales or they knew social media or they knew websites or they knew whatever it was. They had something that they were able to offer. They came in and you offer what you've got enough and reciprocity builds up whether you want it to or not. And opportunity opens that up. And I just, I love those examples of we can find something, some way to be generous, I think to anyone. Oh my Absolutely. Here in our community, again, uh, people here for the most part are not concerned about you know, buying groceries this week, just to say it kindly. So they have a lot of resources there. But there are two ladies real close to us here who are essentially caring for invalid husbands. So they're worn out and exhausted. What your mom does, my wife, Joanne, Thursdays, those ladies come over here at two o'clock for tea. Not a fancy meal, not to be helped financially, just as a respite from their busy, hectic life. Those women feel like they won the lottery to be able to do that. They are so appreciative. They can't express it enough in words because it's the kind of kindness and help that is not normally offered. Gee, you need a, a check. You know, we can make that happen. But to just do that, just that, that's an act of generosity. Yeah. And I think we can all look for ways to do that. Again, it doesn't matter in our financial status. Generosity is is a condition of the heart yeah. you know if you're not generous when you have ten dollars you're probably not going to be generous when you have a thousand it just exposes more of who you are as you have more resources but if you are generous then you'll also be creative in ways that you can express that even if money is not really what's needed well coming back to your aspect of earning you know to, to look at that relational opportunity that connection opportunity a chance to communicate as renee's talking about and instead of figuring out what can I tell, what can I say so I can get to look at it and go, how can I give? Again, sounds altruistic. And it is. It's a higher form of self-interest is what my uh, author, Anthony DeMello, would say. It's still self-interest, but it's a much higher, mature, elevated form of that. And from that, we also see far more opportunity come up to reciprocity does build up. It's going to, you know, what you, you reap, what you sow. This is, this is old. Solomon said this stuff a long time ago, but here we are. And it's never more needed than now. Oh my, you are so right there. Never more needed. And there have never been as many creative opportunities to foster that. Yeah. You know, you talk about our center of influence. Yeah. When I grew up, you know, my mom and dad, your grandma and grandpa, you know, didn't have didn't have cell phones. We had, we had a party line. You pick up the phone and, you know, the gal down the street is likely to be on there those days. <clears throat> so it was very, very limited to communication and their world was very small, but 
Our house was never locked. There were always keys in our cars and our tractors. If somebody needed something, they could come and help themselves to it, even if we weren't there. So they were highly trusted relationships in a very small circle. As we've grown our circles of influence, the trust has diminished dramatically. So somebody has, you know, half a million followers on Facebook or TikTok, big deal. Those are not necessarily people you're going to leave your door open for or people who are you going to answer the phone at 3 a.m. They're not those kind of relationships. They're just surface relationships. Now, fortunately, we can scale today with what we do. Incidentally, my my list of um, 3 a.m. list, I've got 101 people on there right now. No, I'm not that old, so I've got a little margin there. But uh, those are people where over time, but again, we're not talking thousands. I mean, I don't I don't have those kind of deep relationships with thousands and thousands of people. So it's still going to come down to a smaller number where you really have the kind of deep communication relationships with that Renee's talking about. Well, and, and to anchor this in to Renee's book, I, I'm going to continue to recommend it because she's going in then. We talked a lot about the conceptual aspect and the overall value of this, but she's going to come in and go these kind of back to how to win friends and influence people. Renee's done a great job, especially in this day and age with social media and the new ways of connecting of how can you do that and really connect, really create value, really build relationships. Yeah. You're holding the book up. Um, well, and the yeah. byline on her book, you know, titles becoming a master communicator, but the byline is balancing new school technology with old school simplicity. Yeah. A lot of what we've talked about is that old school simplicity. When you had, you lived your neighbors next door could come over and get a cup of sugar, even if you weren't home, old school simplicity is so important. We don't want to overlook that, even though we've got the tools to operate very differently today. And that's what her book does. So, um, well, hey, thanks for connecting me with Renee, and uh, and <laughs> my pleasure. Hey, uh, and and schooling me in this, I'm grateful. I have an old copy. You probably gave it to me at some point of how to win friends and influence people. And Ziegler, see you at the top. Um, I mean, those are those are our classics. And now we've got, thank goodness, people like Renee who are bringing those values and those methodologies into the ways to do them with our current technology and ways that we contact. So. Thank you, Dad. Oh, my pleasure. I love the conversation and love yeah. the topic. Yeah. And I'm just excited about the ways we can continue to do it better. Yep. Well, this is a topic here for you to really chew on. It should have you looking at relationships, especially those where you know you're hoping and wanting something from them very differently. What can you give? How can you support the person and build some reciprocity and have some patience? This is top level personal relationship skills. Again, you can find Renee Marino's new book, Becoming a Master Communicator Anywhere. And when you do, go to freegiftfromrenee.com for two gifts that she has for you. And you can find Dan Miller at 48days.com. Thanks as always for choosing to tune into the Self-Helpful Podcast. Hope that you would leave us a review and hope mostly that you'll take what you heard today and Again, maybe share it with some others or better yet, just implement it with the relationships that you're in and the new ones that you want to enter into. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others.